Are we recording? We are recording. Hi, welcome to the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. Yay. Yay! The cast and creative team of Blood Harmony are with us today. We are very excited. What I'm going to get you all to do is just introduce yourselves and what you do and your character, if you are that in the show. If not, you know, just who you are in general. Uh, anybody can start? Okay, we'll start here. <laughs> Hello, I'm Eve, and I play Chloe, the youngest sister in Blood Harmony. Hi, I'm Cash, and I play Maya, the middle sister. Hello, I'm Pip, and I play Anna, the eldest sister. Fabulous. And hi, I'm Lee Kennedy, I'm, I'm producer at Thick Skin. I'm yeah. producer of Blood Harmony. Yay! <laughs> so, um, first up, Louise and I have to say that we saw Blood Harmony two days ago. Was it two days? I d- sure. I mean, <laughs> we'll go with that. We have seen it. Um, Louise was a wreck. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you know that way where you kind of you're just a breath away from like completely losing it? Like I had to calm myself down. I was just like you, like inconsolable sobbing. It was uh, really affected me. Really affected. It really me. did. I was sitting. I could just hear snot. Oh. I was like, oh. Yes, definitely makes us feel, and um, the music in the show is by the Staves, which is incredible, and um, three beautiful singers sitting in front of us, as well as actors. Um, Tell us about your path into the show, and then the kind of creation of the show, producing all of that. Was anybody there from the beginning with the devising of the work? No, so there was an R&D, I think, was Mm -hmm. it? Yeah, in August last year. Yeah. That none of us were part of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was. Um, so the show has been um, has been being developed since like throughout the pandemic. It was an idea that um, Johnny Bearden, Jess Williams, and Matthew Bulgo, and um, these are co-creators, uh, had been working on for quite a long time. Um, and so during the pandemic, they did have lots of. Um, time to work on it over Zoom and then in August of 2021 um, was the first time that they were able to get together in a room and sort of work on some of the script uh, and uh, work with some of the new arrangements that Kate Marley, um, who's our musical director and musical arranger, had put together. Um, But yeah, it's sort of been a project that's been in development for a long time Mm. and sort of put on hold a little bit because of the pandemic, but also gave lots of time for lots of creative conversations to happen as well. It is interesting that, isn't it? Like the pandemic we were all like, oh shit, what are we actually going to do? And then kind of loads of creativity happened for people, I think. Mm-hmm. Like which is just really interesting in that kind of sense of, you know, we go so fast all the time in this industry and then it made us slow down and it's like, oh I actually do have time to do that. Which mm. is really nice. I love that none of you were in the R and D though, that's really yeah. nice. Well, um, actually Cash and I kind of got fast-tracked to the final auditions because we were doing the show together. I think they were they got to like quite a far ahead in the audition process, but they hadn't quite found anyone to fit the final two characters. And um, we were doing a show at home in Manchester, and Johnny came and saw it. And then I think they, they invited us to the audition. We didn't just get it. No, 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 no. Straight off. Yeah, we had to the yeah, that was our process of getting into the show. Yeah, because yeah. I think because the, the casting was, it was a, a hard process because we're looking for something. We're looking for something very, very specific because mm. we're obviously mm. looking for 
amazing performers who can sort of sing and act and move, but then also because of the, the essence of the show and the blood harmony, we're looking for performers whose voices work and complement really well together. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were, we're, and who could who could be the sisters and have that vocal quality that meant that we were able to um, really reflect the stage music as well, because they have their beautiful blood harmony. Yes, yeah. It was nice on that day that when we were all there, because the way that they did the final rounds was that they were bringing people in in threes to read the script and then bringing people in in threes, separate threes to sing and kind of try combinations because as Lisa they needed to get that blend of voices as well as the kind of, I guess like the fire between the sisters. Mm. But the three of us were brought in first and it was really nice because, um, yeah, as Eve said, these guys were doing um, the show together before and I knew a couple of cast members that they were working with, so then when we came in together, we were already like, oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It was like yeah. nice kind of banter between mm. the three of us, which was really lovely, and I think that made us really enjoy that that yeah. um, reading of the scene. Mm. Um, and all of us sort of left and were like, oh, felt nice. Yeah. <laughs> because you never know when you're in that environment, like when you read with other actors in an audition, it's actually quite a rare thing certainly I think like that you read with other actors who are auditioning you're normally mm. with a casting yeah. director so it was, it was just fun mm. it was really yeah, lovely yeah. and what is um, I'm curious are you guys musical theatre but have you have musical theatre backgrounds or is it a mix because what I loved about the show was that it felt because I saw in the posters in the copy that it referenced being a musical, and it, and it absolutely is, but it felt like an entirely fresh and new take on the form. Yeah. Mm. And I was like, because just the way the music is integrated, and it's very, it's a very rich text, so it feels like a play, yeah. but then when the music comes in, it's so beautifully woven in, and you're also talented, so it just felt fresh <laughs> to the form. I think and it I is just a new form. Yeah. yeah. It's a new form, because also when we were rehearsing the show, we sort of came up with the, the concept, I suppose, that the music feels like the emotional world mm. of the show because the songs don't they don't develop character they don't mm. necessarily develop story so they're not when people think of musical theatre they think of murals I got to play that yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. actually I think we're part of the camp and there's so much new new musical theatre being written and especially in the UK like the amount of new musicals that are coming out of amazing writers in the UK and people are trying to change what that title means mm. musical mm. theatre doesn't have to be all singing and tap dancing it's it's theatre with music, and yeah. you know, it, I think that this is an interesting show for that. In that people are going, "Huh, I thought it was a musical, but it is a musical. But is it a musical?" <laughs> it's, like yeah. a, it's a nice little challenge for yeah. an audience. And I think a lot, all three of us come from acting musician backgrounds, mm-hmm. which right. is a musical theatre. Musical mm-hmm. theatre is sort of like strictly music, dancing, and then a little bit of acting. <laughs> 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 But yeah, we're, we're all, all the MTs are like, <laughs> 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 no, um, we're all acting musicians, so we've come from a background of which is another kind of thing in itself. But yeah. we all have like a musicality, we've all been trained yeah. on like musicality and how to use our bodies in like the way that rhythms work and then like how the songs work, and it's just integrating it all together. But obviously, we're not playing instruments in this, but um. Yeah, so that's our background, I think. We yeah, I remember when we started this, though, in rehearsals, and I said to you, I was like, what? Oh, I'm I'm and yeah. you were like, I oh, know, this is a walk in a 
three shows I've produced have all been actor musical and it's like it's just it's a thing it's a big mm. it's yeah. mega it's very <laughs> I'm fucked yeah I think it's really interesting because like actor musicianship at least from I mean I'm sure Kessa's training was a bit because we basically went to the same drama school but 10 years um, apart 10 years you apart. can say it <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, I imagine like some of the bits of our training are quite different but like the basis of it is we have a from going to Rose Bruford, I have a very particular idea of what acting musicianship is. Mm. But places other places that do it like Mountview or, or other drama schools will have a completely different idea. So Mountview might be more like yeah, musical theatre, they they model it on musical mm. theatre rather than an entirely separate training anyway. So I think that's what's so great about acting musicianship now and the shows that are coming out now is because everyone has a completely different idea of what it is and what it can be Mm. and I think also like bouncing off the musicality aspect I think in a show like this it's so important because we're we're moving and it's really hard to generally even with musical theatre to kind of stay connected while you're singing and not kind of just zone in on yourself but such a massive part of acting musicianship is having that musicality and being so, so in tune with the other people. So even though we don't have our instruments, it's kind of like we're, we're doing that anyway. Mm. If I'll make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. No, it does. It makes the, the movement is beautiful yeah. in it. Like it's really. Sorry, the reason I did it, it's not even actually gone out. We did a podcast just the two of us, and we basically just raged at the world. And I was like, nobody needs to hear us raging at the world. So I haven't even put it out. But halfway through, like every five minutes, Louisa started was like, <laughs> and she's like, "You're gonna have fun editing that." Yeah. And like now, I'm just gonna put it in a little like sound bite that it's just <laughs> solidarity. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. All sounds are it's a safe space. All sounds are welcome here. Um I think like for the listeners, obviously I don't want to give too much away about um Blood Harmony, but I think it's like the one thing is that connection of family that runs through it. And then I think it's fair to say, because it's pretty clear pretty quickly that it is a play about grief. Um and I think even if you haven't experienced that type of grief. I think there's something in it for everyone. Oh, yeah. mm. Like there's something that will resonate for every single person. And I just think, are any of you, do any of you have sisters? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so mine's a bit of a, <laughs> so I always say I'm an only child, which I am because I've grown up as one. But when I was 17, I found out that I had a half-sister who was 12 years old at the time. Ah. So I do have a sibling, but we're not, like... In a very different... We've completely missed that bonding era, which is very, very strange. Um, So then, yeah, coming into something like this where I don't... I've never been someone who says they have siblings. It's Mm. quite interesting, because then some points I'll think of my sister, and I'm like, well, I'm trying to get that... How would I feel if that was my sister? But then again, I don't have that innate like bond there, yeah. which is quite interesting. But so for all purposes for this, I am an only child, <laughs> I guess. Who? Um, yeah. Uh, Pip, yeah. Yeah. So I've got a 
sister and a brother, I'm the youngest. So it's my brother, then my sister, then me. And then, yeah, coming into this and unpicking those relationships is, oh, it's raw. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's, um, it's kind of amazing. It's that thing that I think that, that Matthew's captured really well, which is that, like, I love you so much, but oh, you are able to get to me in a way that other people can't. Mm. And like get under my skin in a way, and and also you can say you can say stuff to me that hurts so much more, but also sometimes you can say stuff to me that I'm like go straight over my head because it's you and I've known you since I was a, an embryo. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, so I think yeah, like I I can really resonate with the how the three of them are so different. Mm. So in Blood Harmony, all three siblings have very strong individual characteristics and the three of us in my family are very much that as well. Um, however, there are bits in each of us, in each of us three, that I'm like, oh, we're so similar in, the, in those regards. So it's just unlike anything else, like that connection of friendship. Me and my sister, are, she's my best friend. Like she is 100% my number one in the world. But we are really different. Mm-hmm. And when she puts me in my place, she can big sister me like nobody else. Like, <laughs> she is the one who can go, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm doing it wrong, or I feel tiny, or I'm suddenly five years old again. Mm-hmm. And like no one in the world can do that to me other than her. And and yet also no one can pick me up off the ground better than she can. So that level of closeness is like is really strong, and I like, I hope that elements of that come through the show. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. oh for sure. I mean, I think anyone who's like our friend Kat who saw it with us, I think you were on stage, Cash, for like a second. She went, middle sister. That's middle sister. <laughs> <laughs> and she just knew right away. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's, the dynamics are so beautifully portrayed. And it's just, and even if you don't have siblings, like there's the threads of familial ob- obligation and duty. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, choosing your own life over yeah. certain, you know, aspects of maybe staying or going all of that stuff like that just yeah that the, the really staying or going thing is really interesting as well because I think that often in a lot of families actually this isn't necessarily the case in my family but in a lot of families there is the case that there is a sibling or a couple of siblings that stay close by or that choose to have a kind of more of a home based lifestyle when the other is chasing a career and the guilt from one of them or the obligation from the other or the like I've got it right from both of them mm-hmm. is always really present and Again, yeah, I think that's an interesting thing to be tackled in a play that I haven't really seen before on stage, that kind of the guilt that comes in family. What I loved about it was seeing three women on stage and none of the conversations were about their partners. Mm. We touch on Drew. Drew is is here. Lovely Drew. You know, it's such a wet fish across the pond. Yeah. There was actually a cut, a version... um, so, in a later scene um, with Anna and Chloe... Oh, yeah, what used to happen? Chloe, uh, Chloe talks about how... Yeah, um, no, it was Ben. My oh, friend, like, no, not Ben. What was his name? Will. 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 Yeah, it Will. So, there was a will. There was a will. A brief will for Chloe. Um, and then we cut that, and I just decided that Chloe was gay. So. I totally got that. Yeah. Thank you. Like, yes. totally got I that. Like, she's gay. I like, and I was also really glad that that was there because mm-hmm. I kind of felt like if all of the sisters had had heteronormative relationships, 
in 2022 I'd have been really disappointed yeah. Yeah. like um and I'd, I got I did absolutely yeah. get that and in particular again not spoiler but I think it's Anna asks Chloe mm-hmm. have you got a boyfriend or a girlfriend and just your little laugh at girlfriend I was like <laughs> yes yeah. yes yeah. so that that part of the conversation is literally three lines and then we move on yeah, yeah. so it's like if you got any romantic anything romantic going on with you basically and she's like no and we're like cool next yeah, yeah. 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 does that ever happen yeah but I just like that little bit it was just it's also an actor watching other actors on stage you love picking those little moments up yeah. and being like oh yes um anyway so congrats <laughs> <laughs> I, I got it i got it um i think like the big thing as well about the idea of grief and just how that runs through and the music really is i think you said it about it being um the emotional core Mm-hmm. Does that feel mm-hmm. like the right word? Yeah. I'm going to say core. That's what I'm going with. Um, <laughs> I'm only on like day five. I've not seen 25 shows now. <laughs> and like, my brain's already burst. So I don't know how I'm... Uh... Anyway, back to, back to the show. Um, the emotional core of it. And I just thought what was really beautiful was the way that each of you, each of the characters has something different, yet it is the harmony thing that Lee talks about and how your voices overlap was so stunning. Like, in that first few moments, I was like, oh, shit, I didn't bring hankies. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I was really, really upset about not having hankies. I mean, Um, that is truly a testament to Kate um, for really just drilling us. She's Yeah, she's... She just drilled us on blending our mm. voices together because obviously we do have such different tones and, and different voices but she really made sure that we constantly were listening to each other and you know like um not mimicking but like vowel sounds and and, and tone and, and everything just making sure that it was all completely seamlessly blending mm. she's also a vocal coach and i think that what was brilliant about that is that when we were so we had the first week of rehearsal was just music we just learned everything and got that really in our bones before we did anything else and what I also think she did was like listen to where oh we're all a bit like pingy here mm. so if one of us wasn't pingy let's make it more pingy or if like it needed yeah. to be mm. rounded because one of us wasn't as rounded she, she was able to do that and like able to um get our placement where it needs to be so that the blend would happen because as you say like when it's so lovely that I think when you're able to hear the solo voices sound so different yeah and then when they come together it's sort of somehow manages to blend yeah I mean we also have been doing it for a long time now so I would hope that we do sound cohesive Jess and Johnny are huge fans of the stage, as we all are, yeah. um, and their music is just so beautiful. And I think they really seen that the stage music was really was really driven towards like being able to sort of illustrate a story, and um, they were cho- sort of choosing the the songs, which was really like highlight the emotional moments, um, as we've been speaking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, have they been on since the beginning? The staves, I take it. Yes, we've been um, speaking with the band for a long, long time, which has been <laughs> great. Um, and they have been uh, they've been very generous through the collaboration, and um, they wrote a uh, carry on, which is the song that Kish sings um, on top of the roof of the mm-hmm. attic. So that's an original song which they have written for the show, uh, which was incredible. Very um, exciting. Yeah. So, so they were collaborating with Jess and Johnny and Matthew on like 
what part of the script like the song would fit and sort of creating something specifically for that moment so yeah it's such a cool process (laughs) very like like we said earlier it's just a different take on the form and a different way of working and it's very exciting it's very cool yeah I I like that because generally obviously in musical theatre you get songs to kind of like Pip said forward the plot or forward the emotional development of a character whereas it's actually just really nice to sit in it and sing a song that you're just sitting in rather than having to kind of drive it drive it and and go Mm. this is the you know this is the song where everything is moving forward this is my character realizing something it's nice to just have that moment of like this is what the character like this is what we're feeling you're you're like inviting the audience in to share that moment rather than kind of going this is what's happening yeah. It's an interesting one because I do think that some of the songs lyrically do literally fit with where we're at yeah. in the story. Mm. Like, damn mm-hmm. it. Yeah, damn yeah. it. Yeah. Exact, damn it. Well, literally, yeah, every word is like what they are going through. Yeah. I also think sadness. Yeah. Like, oh, the yeah. Yeah, like, the opening. Yeah. That first lyric, oh my God, it's been so long. Like that kind of feeling of like, oh, it's been so long since I've been home. Mm. Like that is yeah. what mm. that character is saying. So actually, it it has been a it has been an interesting one and sometimes a challenge certainly I I found in rehearsal of like where are we pitching this musically mm. like how are we playing this is this moment more musical theatre and we are quite clearly the characters yeah. or oh, is this more cerebral mm. exactly mm. singing out to the stars or whatever and I think I think the conclusion is kind of whatever it is in that moment is what it is in that moment I th- that's um, what I got and I thought that was I, th- I think that's exactly what you mean by like it's a different it's a, a different approach yeah. to the approach, form yeah. like it really feels fresh mm-hmm. yeah. and it feels instinctual and like that thing I think is performers that we're always looking for like, you can play about with it and it yeah. doesn't have to be the same every time because in musical theatre you know you've got your You've got your, you've got to play it. You've got your track, and you've yeah, got to play yeah. it that way. And um, but there's, there's something really for me, anyway. As an audience member watching, I was like, this is really beautiful because it very much felt like if I came back to see it, I might see something different another yeah. night. Yeah. Which yeah. obviously you should, and like we all know that it should be different every night. But with musical theatre, you are kind of stuck in that. But that felt a lot more free flowing, which yeah. was really lovely. Yeah. Really lovely. Especially, yeah. I think every single time we do it there's something new there's something different as you do get with most shows but I think it is that thing of like you can well for me anyway whatever I'm feeling that day I can just bring it yeah and and slightly change the way I'm singing a song or like the the way I portray the emotion that I'm singing and I think the music really really lends itself to that because it's so open but can be so specific but I think also like just the process of of trying to kind of not knowing, not having the experience that the sisters do in my normal life. It's nice to be at a place where I can just like feel free to yeah. kind of find new things in that because we've worked so hard on getting the base of the, sh- the characters and the relationships that we can just really play with it, finally. Yeah, you really feel like sisters. Like, <laughs> I, f- I really, f- like, and again, I think this is why it wrecked me so hard because <laughs> it was just like, I be- it, you just feel like three sisters yeah. watching I mean, it. I think it's we like, are actually. You are. Pretty spiritually. Similar. Similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. Chuck it in the theatre. I think that's one of the challenges we had, I think, because we, we really like just playing it as three sisters on stage. But, like, 
and put it in like a track which is quite steep technically from a mm -hmm. point of view it's yes. like you need to now project yeah <laughs> oh that feels weird because we're having a real conversation yeah, yeah. yeah. in a real attic yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. Just something else that, like, with the music, and I think the way it's structured, and just that getting that free flow of how you get to sing each night and it be different, really hit me as well about grief because grief comes in waves. There is not just like one form of grief, and obviously the play is so much centered around the loss that these girls of these women have um, are, are experiencing and will experience for the rest of their lives. Like, it doesn't stop when one character goes away or whatever. Um, and obviously, I don't want to ruin anything, but there's lots of levels mm. going on, which mm. is really great. And I think, and I mean this in the best possible way to Matthew, that he's done a brilliant job of being a male writing yeah. relationships the mother-daughter relationships yeah. and sister-sister relationships. Because I've seen that before on stage and I'm like, I'm the oldest sister of a younger sister. And I'm like, I don't fucking believe that. Because yeah. that's not that's not us and it's not any other sister relationships I know. Whereas this was absolutely, I was like, yeah. yes. Matthew, if you're listening, you nailed it. <laughs> and not many men get a, a shout out on the Persistent <laughs> Fantasy podcast. So, you know, well but. done. <laughs> Heavy team as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's it was a deliberate. Mm -hmm. Like, well, I don't know if it was deliberate. I kind of feel like it must have been yeah. to say, yeah, there's a, a male writer on board, but the team around is very female. Yeah, it's pretty much yeah. all females, right? Except yeah, because um, obviously Jess is one of our co-directors um, with Johnny, um, but then Kate uh, as our musical director. Um, and then we've got Charlie Dumford, uh, who's our lighting designer, and Haley Grindle, who's our set designer, set costume, um, and then all of our, yeah, all of our stage management team are, and sound operator are all Amazing. women as well, so yeah. yeah. Missy, mm -hmm. um, who's our uh, assistant, yeah, stage manager, yeah. <laughs> wears a ninja costume <laughs> and crawls <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> it's, um, it's, yeah. Fancy magic, everybody. Yeah. 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 We do need cameras backstage so you can actually see the chaos that the true that heroes. Yeah. The true heroes of the How French. How many shows have you done that have been female heavy in that sense of creative creative not team? Many. No, not many. Not many, no. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. have you noticed a difference? Well, I mean, I'm just fresh out of drama school, really. So I okay. graduated 2021. So oh, I've wow. done... But yeah, um, the first show I did was directed by a woman. The writing, all the other people... But like with the production side of it, all men. Um, chicken legs that me and Cash did, very male heavy. Mm. Wonderful, wonderful, but very male heavy. So this is the first time I've actually been around a lot of women, which is, I think there's, uh, I don't know if it's because of the show mm. that so much of our focus, or at least my focus, was on, was not on who was in the room, but um, I think there is a, a more um, tender hand in some mm. ways. I think it's more badass. I think it's more badass. <laughs> well. Why I more think it was stronger and more like, boom. I think it was oh. more deceptive. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, like yeah. I feel like sometimes in rooms I've been that are male heavy, 
It's just a lot of male monologuing. You will have a explain of everything and a long decision making process, but this room will be like, this doesn't fit in. Jess was like, right, cut it. Yeah. Kate's like singing that wrong. Next. It's like, we know where we stand with women. Men are kind of going, I don't really know what I need, so I'm going to talk about it for 10 minutes. I think it's, yeah, I definitely felt it was more like, hello, testosterone, who's got the biggest balls in the room? Yeah, yeah. It's but more that, collaborative. I think when you've got females, it's more collaborative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone mm-hmm. speaks to each other on a level. There's no hierarchy. It's just like, let's work together and make it work. Yeah. Make something good. Because yeah. that's what theatre should be. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, because otherwise, good. why are we doing it? Yeah, there's no yeah. Like, dick measuring contest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like something which I hope is a thing of the past. Because yeah. when I graduated, I certainly went into a lot of shows which yeah. were that. Yeah. yeah. And it was all like, ego, ego, ego. Can't, there's no time yeah. for that. There's no place for that anymore. Oh, no. yeah. I think yeah. also, like, here we go. Love it. The society rant. Oh, no. There uh, we go. Here we go. I'm like, bring it. So, in general life, um, I think women and uh, femme presenting people can... There's almost, like, an innate automatic diminishing of yourself mm. when you're in a room full of men. And I think... The collaborativeness of this project has been amazing because, you know, usually you'd see a director as an authoritative figure, which they, which they are. They're, they're directing you and, and you're... There is that. But I think also when it's a man, you kind of automatically go... There's just a weird feeling that comes with it. And it's nice being in a space where you automatically feel very, very safe and very just like, oh, OK, this will be fine. I'm not wording this correctly. No, 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 I, th- no, I get what you mean because it's that whole. It is, as you say, societal. It's a patriarchal system, right? It's mm. there, and we're we're so used to it from such a young age that like certain men hold authority in a way that we don't always associate with women, femme presenting people, non-binary people. That doesn't like it's not always associated, but for some reason, because we live in such a patriarchal society. It, um, the men. <laughs> and I'm a man hating mode. <laughs> I mean, well, not all of them, right? There are no, good ones, no, but you know. Absolutely. But I think I totally get your point, Eve. I think it's like we're programmed to not challenge a certain. Like, the, there's an energy with male authority in a room, and because they've had the mic so long, uh, I think there is a tendency to forget to pass it round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, that means that you can, you just go, like, I'm. I, I don't feel safe to make any suggestions or challenge something that I maybe don't agree with because... He hasn't passed the mic. He hasn't passed the mic, and we've been conditioned to think that that authority is absolute. Um, and I think because uh, as women or any other marginalised group, is, have, we've all been sort of so conditioned by that, we, we go into spaces and we just automatically want to make that make, make it the opposite of that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think um, also with the script, like, for my character at least, I've never... They haven't really that I can think of, there haven't really been any moments for me where I've gone, a woman wouldn't say this, mm. which I think is is amazing because there are so many times where men write scripts, they write women characters, and it's like, well, a woman would never say that or never do that. So I think that's that's what's really special about this as well. Pepe, you were going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say about um, female-led processes, and I'm wondering if also because... Like, Kesh and I started out 
what, like 10, 12 years ago. And I think seeing how it's changed from mm. then to now and me saying quite proudly it feels like a really badass space. I also think it's because those women who are now running those rooms have had to graft their asses off mm -hmm. for 10 years, yeah. 12 years, Ten however enough. long. They've yeah. had enough. And so actually, when it comes to decision making, they're like, I know what I need, I know what I want. Mm. You know, nothing's ever been handed to them on a plate because there haven't been as many opportunities. So they've got to fight, fight, fight for the opportunities. And we've had chats about this. I think we feel very similarly that it's like you get to a point when it's like, I know what's right, I know what I need. And it's like, I'm, I'm going to get it. Yeah. Because it's been so long of having to yeah. fight for it. So there's, it's a, it's a really tricky one because I feel like sometimes it's twofold that it's like this kind of more decisive, definite nature that is, is coming from women is making brilliant work. But it sometimes hurts me to see that like the reason that we've had to get there is because we've been so flogged down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. born out of yeah. exhaustion. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I'm not saying that's necessarily the case in every room at all, but I'm just thinking across all of my female creatives who are... spoken to. Yeah. Who have we spoken to? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 100%. And I think you and I going through these, like going through those chats, you know, over a glass of wine and thinking, how how are we here and where have we come from? And also I think we've, We've both gone. Oh, sorry, I just spat on the table. <laughs> um, <laughs> snip. Um, Keep it in. <laughs> um, you, we've seen the shift from what it was 15 years ago to what it mm. is now, and and we're by no means there now. No. But there is a rumble. Happening. Oh, there definitely yeah. is. And, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. Like, feel it. I remember grabbing my hand one day after rehearsals and being like. We have to be the ones that change this. It's up to us, Kesh. It's up to us. And I was like, but how? Like, I don't know, but we're gonna. And then there's also times when we've had chats about it, and I'm like, I don't know that I can stick around yeah, long yeah. enough yes. to wait for the change. Yeah. yeah. Because you get to a point where you're like, I'm so exhausted. So the fight. Mm -hmm. Oh God, do I cut my losses and run? Mm, <laughs> or, oh, I feel or that late. Are we the ones that are like? We've been at this for long enough, and clearly we're good at what we do, and we know what we're doing now. So we got a freaking fight still. Yeah, yeah. But um, sorry, I've taken it down to yeah. no, a different angle. But not at all. A lot of yeah. our listeners are going to be like, Thank you. yeah, yeah, because like, um, it's true. And you know, we we preface a lot of this stuff by saying all the time we work with amazing men, warm, compassionate, yes, yeah. feminist, lovely men, and things are changing for the better in so many ways, and it is great, but. There is, mm. yeah, and there is still problems. Like, there's, Scotland in particular has a real issue with handing a room to a female director. So many of the brilliant women directors I know are constantly associates, assistants, associates, assistants. And men, a lot of men who are doing quite well have been, got handed it right away. That's it, yeah. And it's like, why are you not letting them just do it? Like, yeah. give yeah. them the room. They can do it. Yeah. And it's frustrating because it's still viewed as a risk. I also and I think don't know why. That women, because of that, because it's still viewed as a risk, women have been less inclined to try it yeah. earlier mm -hmm. on and younger. So you're now getting women who are much further on in their careers going, oh, maybe I'm a director. But it's terrifying to just say, maybe I'm a director when you've already been something else for yeah. how long. Mm -hmm. Because you're afraid that that opportunity is not going to be there for you. And chances are actually right now, it probably still isn't. Yeah. So it's a really tough one. Whereas there's... I can think of a few males who were actors and then went, oh, do you know what? I'm going to be a director. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, you know, working at like <laughs> five of the biggest theatres in yeah. Scotland. And you're like, sometimes simultaneously. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh hmm, cool. How yeah. did that happen? 
did that happen for anybody? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's not always, I'm not saying it's always easy for them too, because there's, no, of course. it's of course. still a tough industry for anyone, but I do think opportunity-wise it yeah. is drastically different. And, I, and also, you know, if things were where they should be, we wouldn't be here as a yeah, persistent and nasty. We wouldn't have to be here and we wouldn't have to be doing the advocacy work that we do. Hopefully the podcast would still be here just to celebrate beautiful human beings. But you know, yeah. um, the actual work, the other stuff, we wouldn't the have to do. The work we have yeah. to do. This is also like slightly in the same realm but on a different tangent, like a little side, little side road. Um, I remember um, reading one of the reviews and it said... Um, all three sisters are of different races, um, perhaps to like um, nod to the mother's bohemian <gasps> lifestyle. Yeah. You're fucking shitting me. And I was like, that's not the point. We had this discussion <laughs> in rehearsals. We had the discussion about the dad because the dad is mentioned nowhere in the script. And we were like, you know what? No one cares. Yeah, yeah I didn't even think it mattered. That. I didn't think it was, and I was I am, a point I mean, for discussion. I just, I, I mean, I don't feel angry at that um you know that comment at all because i think you know as a critic you're going to analyze it's everything it's such an antiquated but it's, view isn't it, it is it's antiquated but it's also like that's not the you're missing the point, the point yeah you're mi- i doubt that any you know and like being on stage with us <laughs> you have to laugh otherwise you'll cry why do some people have jobs these <laughs> days? Like, i don't understand it's like but, anyway but that's the, like you know seeing i, I think seeing kids and, and young people of all different races watching the show is, is something really special yeah. because they're mm-hmm. going, wow, like... It's not a show about three white sisters. It's no, it's about, it's about family. It's about yeah. family. Yeah. It's about my family and it's about... I know that, I know yeah. that, and yeah. I know that. And it's not just it's like... It becomes like... It, it all encompassing and you're like immersed in that world rather than watching it as a spectator yeah. and thinking... Yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be cool, but I can't relate to it on some level, which I think both of us probably felt growing up and watching shows at the theatre. Oh, so, God, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it, God. Yeah. But, like, you know, it's like you're in a theatre to suspend your disbelief. Yeah. This shouldn't be something that you that is pulling you back. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you could go to you go to Wicked and you're like, oh yeah, she's green. Like yeah. oh she's flying. Is she green on oh, her mom's side or is she's up by a harness? <laughs> she's obviously flying. Yeah. Like you know that stuff. And like you yeah. can you can watch that and be like, oh yeah, she's actually flying. Well, it's just completely absurd. It's, it's just yeah. I, I, yeah. it's so so not the point. You're right. No. It's like. And it didn't enter my head. It was like, they're three sisters. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's, that's what we, like, that's the point. I think that was such a great casting decision. I think it's a great casting decision. Yeah, I think also, like, I think there's a whole thing about what family actually is yeah. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's going to be so many people who are maybe from, uh, who've been adopted yeah. that will come and see this show and still feel all of that. And just because you're not of blood with someone mm-hmm. does not mean that you're not family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, like... For me, it's about yes, your blood family, but it's the family you choose as well. Yeah. Because you can be related to somebody by blood, but you choose not to have them yeah. in your life, yeah. and they are not your family. And if so, you know, find whatever that critics like looking for something to. I I just found it funny to be quite honest. So I was like, yeah. well, that's not the point of the show. Like, yeah. it, it's not anywhere. I also yeah. just want to go, God, sheltered life, mate. Yeah. Oof, right. can talk to some people. <laughs> oh, Liam's getting more Scottish as it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I would love to know your backgrounds, where you all trained, what that experience was like. Obviously, for you, you've both been out for like 10, 12 years, yeah? yeah. 
and fresh. And the baby. Fresh <laughs> out. Fresh out. So, um, cash yeah. pip. Yes, so I had a um, slightly less conventional route yes. into the theatre world. <laughs> um, I started working when I left sixth form. So I was at a sixth form college in Cambridge um, called Hills Road Sixth Form College. That, um, and out of that school came some really fab theatre companies at the time. And still, um, I've got a really fab um, drum department. And I, yeah, I basically just started working with one of them as soon as I left. So um, did a tour kind of when I was 19 and then um, moved out when I was 19. And yeah, just I've basically just kept working since. Um, I, funnily enough, I had a place at Rose Bruford to study actor musicianship. I think we worked out you'd have been... You'd have been, uh, you'd have been two, years, years two years apart. Two years apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the head of the course, and I always really held him for this. I had a chat with him and um, said, this is what I'm up to. And he was like, let people leave drama school and don't work. So if yeah. you're working and you're loving it, just keep going until... Mm-hmm. And come back to us if, if you struggle. You know, <laughs> amazing. amazing. And, and he was wonderful to talk to. So I kind of followed that lead and... Yeah, it's it's um you have your ups and downs with it mm. because when you're 18, 19 and all your mates are at uni and all your mates are at drama school getting degrees and you're like, oh fuck, what am I doing? <laughs> like trying to make ends meet and be an actor and make work. Um, it's it can be quite challenging because you're really it really felt like I was just forging my own path, but I was doing loads of devising. So that's my background. I was making loads of stuff. I was writing music. I was in companies that were all like total theatre companies loads of movement loads of music loads of um acting and writing and then i did bits of training um i did a stint out in france with a physical theatre company called opera they have a residency space called obrana and i did some physical theatre training out there with them um, and then done like chunks of sort of workshop seasons with other companies but yeah, that's my background. So I've sort of I love it. Yeah. followed my nose and followed where <laughs> things have taken me. I love it. I think it's so important for people to hear that you don't have to go down the drama yeah. school mm-hmm. route <clears throat> and that you that there are other ways into this industry. Because yeah. A, not everybody can afford to go to drama school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I think what you, what you need at that time, I was so hungry for life. I was a bit done with education. I was mm. a bit done with school. And I was like, I'm ready to just live now. I wanted to like, do it. And I think that three years at that age in another institution for me would have maybe squashed me a bit. Or yeah. not squashed, that sounds like I was, I don't know. But like, I think it would have perhaps crushed a bit of creativity, whereas okay. I could kind yeah. of just go poof at that age, yeah. which was great. That's great. Thanks, Kish. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in Tottenham and um, I went to like one of them crappy schools. And uh, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> and, amazing thing where you had a free school uh, lesson like instrument lessons oh yeah so like that was kind of my first thing into like creativity and I had free violin lessons when I was like seven and then my mum was like oh you're quite good at music and then like enrolled me into that and then it was like the summer holidays and she was like what do you want to do over summer do you want to do like sports or what do you what do you like and I was like oh maybe like drama or something so then I went to like some like summer school thing and that was all I was ever good at at school. I was rubbish at school. I was rubbish at absolutely everything but apart from music and drama and being a loudmouth. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so that kind of came like naturally. That there was no other option for me coming out of school. I was always going to be doing like performing arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like you were just saying, you had to pay for auditions to go yeah. to drama yes. school. 
Mad. Thankfully, when I was there, it wasn't that expensive. It was like 30, well, it was still 30 quid a pot. It's like 100 quid. It's like 100 I know, it's extortionate. Yeah. It's just, it's just it's She's so disgusting. Yeah. Because they can afford to, like, take people yeah. out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was 30 quid a pot, so I was like, okay, I can only afford to do, like, X amount. And I remember, like, not really getting into any of them and then I was like one more of those Bruford it was like my last audition and I was like if I don't get this I'll, that's it and then I went and then I got in and I was like yeah. right Jeremy actually called me up on the same day I went in for my audition and he was like we love you we want you in and I was like oh thank god <laughs> no, I was like great and then so I'd started when I was like I'd literally just gone from school to drama school straight away but I had an agent when I was 10 as well I forgot to say that I did like kids acting, so I had an agent since I was ten. So I've been like, yeah, yeah. I was in a Joseph. That was my first job. Was, oh, was Stephen Gately. Oh, oh nice. Stage with two celebs. He's been in Doctor Who. My God. So then that was that, and then I went to Rose Bruford. Um, I wouldn't say I had the best time at drama school, and actually, I really do feel like you don't need it. It is mm. what you take away from it. I have learned everything I know. On the job. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I went to drum school and I, I actually, 75% of my time, please don't, anyone that's listening to this, don't like make, like think that I'm discrediting drum school training or anything, but 75% of the time I was like, what am I doing? What am I learning here? I don't mm -hmm. actually quite know where I'm going to use this skill when I'm in the field. Um, uh, but yeah, it was good. Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessary. I came away with some really good contacts and I made some good friends. Um, but actually, everything I know now, I have learnt on the job. Mm -hmm. And you sometimes have to learn the hard way. Because mm. sometimes in the first years, it is about like just absorbing things and just not God, being yeah. the loudest mouth in the room. <laughs> You've got to be sponge and yeah. listening and soaking it all in and like leaving your shit at the door and just really just... It's why it's criminal we don't have rep anymore. Yes. Like, it's yes. just because, you know, you could just go and learn and watch and just be quiet. Like, you know, actor, actor stage manager roles aren't there anymore. Like, where you could just get come on for, like, yeah. the last little bit, but the whole time you're in rehearsals just watching everything yeah. and yeah. taking in, you know, people who've been doing it for 30, 40 years and then somebody new who's coming in with something different as mm -hmm. well. And... I totally like leave your shit at the door mm. but also I'm a big I really feel like in a safe space everything yeah. needs to be like you know if you are having a really shit fucking day you come in and know that you're going to be supported it'll be okay. and it'll yeah. be all right the amazing thing about rep as well I think is that you have a community yeah. that allows for that like I remember when I was was starting out and doing bits with with making with theatre companies and I really felt like we had this community in like the east of England and they make like all the towns around the east make really cool stuff and it felt like this community in like a collection of towns but it felt like I knew people from different areas and I was jumping into different people's rooms but I was always at that age the one playing all of the ensemble roles I was the little cog in their big machine and I learned so much from just being like sponge 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 mm -hmm. sponge and so in a way that felt like a rep mm -hmm. company situation and it allowed me to go I feel really safe in this environment. I'm learning loads, and I'm on stage and getting paid for it. And that, that just doesn't happen anymore. I know, it's, I know. it's really heartbreaking. I think also it doesn't. We're not allowed to make mistakes either. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I think that's a real shame because you learn from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, 
dentistry is oversaturated. There isn't enough work for us so all. Much like, it's not so yeah, allowed to that make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So, really, yeah. yeah. Hello. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hi. Um, so I, I. This is always. A, this is the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Like literally, since I could like talk, I was like, "This is what I want to do." I like. I just, I can't ever remember anything else. Um, so I went, I, I was actually doing ballet with the Royal Opera House uh, until I was about 12, 13. Um, but before that, I, I was basically going to their Saturday school um, to kind of get better and train. Um, and at that point, I was, I was, I think I was eight or nine, and I said to my mum, I was like, I don't, I want to do drama, I want to go, I want to do acting, I want to, I want to go to this thing is like a Saturday school thing she was like okay well you know you'd have to stop doing ballet and I was like yeah I don't care I want a social life um <laughs> so I want a social life and I want to be able to eat what I want at eight years old um mm-hmm. yeah and we're not talking about that <laughs> that's not the conversation um but yeah so I was there for a few weeks with my childhood best friend and um an agency came along and we're looking for kids and I was like begged my mom absolutely bet my mom and I got in and then I got my first role at nine on CBBS, um and so yeah that's just quite and then I did bits and bobs until I did um Doctor Who when I was 14 which just was a like bit or a bob the... Doctor Who <laughs> <laughs> um but that was like the uh highlight of my career thus who was your doctor Matt Smith, oh, which uh, I know most people are like, oh, David Tennant's my favourite. I was like, no, yeah. Matt Smith for me. Like, I mean, I feel like as the no, Scots, we're obligated to say David Tennant, but I like Matt Smith. Yeah, I absolutely <laughs> love him so much. Like, he was just an amazing person to work with. and They all have their own uniqueness mm-hmm. as yeah, the doctors. They do. Right, they something. Do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was an insane experience. And then after that, I didn't actually get a lot of work. Um, I think I was at a weird age where I looked too young for a lot of things and too old for a lot of things. Yeah. So then when I was 16, I left school. Um, was I 16? Sixth form. I was in sixth form. Yes. That's when you leave sixth yeah. form, right? 16, 17, something like that. Yeah. I don't know, because we do it different. We do do it different. Well, I left school and I was like... I did. I worked in a media centre doing like coding and programming robots for like a year. Wow! <laughs> um, yeah, so that, I mean, I should have done that for the living. I would be making a lot more money. Programming then, robots. What? But I actually. <laughs> I mean, <I'm> <laughs> me on a yeah. whole like, yeah. But I actually never considered drama school until I started going to a musical theatre company after I left my. Um, like old acting club which was you know they were like had volunteer people running it and it was it was great but it wasn't like proper training kind of stuff um and I remember taking me around and I, my mum was like why don't you try this you know you, uh, my friend's son goes there did that and that's when I kind of went oh my god there's actually options to like do what I want when I still had an agent and I wasn't getting a lot of work and I was like this will supplement my time um <laughs> and then I went to college, studied um, performing arts for two years, and everything was just kind of accumulating to like doing something, and I was still kind of like, oh, I don't know. And then I started auditioning for drama school, and I auditioned for Central, Liverpool, and PPA in Guildford, 
actually walked out of my central audition because I hated the vibes. Yeah, the vibes were not on point. I was like, where are the, <laughs> it's like, where are the non-white people? But yeah, um, so that wasn't me. But then my mum was like... Where are the non-white people? Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it, was, it was a lot. But my mum said to me, why don't you audition for Rose Bruford? Because I was really struggling between musical theatre and acting. And I was like, which one do I do? I don't know. There's so many different things. And she said, well, your cousin did this acting musicianship course. Um, and I'd like taught myself guitar and I used to play viola. So I kind of was like, okay, let me just do that. And I, I went there and as soon as I walked in, I was like, this is, this is where I want to be. Um, so I went there. Um, sorry, such a long winded no, like, story. Really um, interesting. But yeah, so I, I, I went there and it was, it was great. Um, I do agree with Kesh. It, it's not needed. It's not necessarily an absolute need. I know plenty of people who are making their own way without that. It was good for training and I guess being with other acting musicians and learning that art form and what is happening. <laughs> sorry, it's sorry, it's all right. There was some there was some men like looking oh at the rooms. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're good, we're good, we're good. Yeah, it was it was, it was I, I did struggle. I really drama school was really tough for me. Um, especially in my first year, I really, really, really struggled. Um, and it was actually only after the pandemic, because I was the pandemic drama school oh. student, where I missed out on half of my training. But we don't talk about that, because I haven't been refunded my money. Oh. It's okay. Oh. Um, no, no, but um, <laughs> God. it was actually after the pandemic that I came back into third year, and I just went, fuck it. Like, because I was so, so obsessed with, like, what people thought of me, and that I wasn't good enough, and that... I wasn't talented enough and, and, you know, being in a place where non-white people are severely underrepresented, not feeling like I had a, a really solid community of people who understood, because I come from Brixton, I've lived in Brixton, South London my entire life. So being at drama school can be quite traumatic mm -hmm. for people of colour. You know, not all drama school. There are Rose Bruford is, is a lovely place, um, but it suffers from the same systemic racist issues that every other drama school faces, and it's not you know an in, it's not a, an attack on them. You know, we I think I say it because I love the place and I want it to be better. Mm. Um, so on that note, it was it could it was a bit it was very hard, um, but I, I I don't regret going. At all. I think it taught me so so much and I learned a lot and I have amazing friends and amazing connections um, that I wouldn't have had if I didn't go um, so yeah I mean I've been very lucky since graduating I've been working almost constantly which is, which is a, a blessing yeah um, I do have to keep reminding myself I'm like you've got those jobs because you're good <laughs> but it's also I am also very lucky that I was in a position to go for them um, so, I think so many people listening will like totally feel all that you're saying about not feeling good enough and questioning being where you are. And I think drama school can be great, it can be brilliant, it can be super useful, it gives you the contacts, but it can also do damage. Mm -hmm. oh, and it can so definitely much. bring up trauma. And also, I think it's really important that you say that about um, Rose Brifford, because if they want to learn, they need to hear it and not be defensive. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. nothing changes if we don't have a conversation. I mean, I would. And people 
one of two... Don't hear it? Yeah, I was one of two black people in my class. Which is wild, because you're ten years after me, and I was like... Yeah, that, and I'm... I'm like that when I was there. And I'm mixed race, and the other person was mixed race as well, and everyone else was white, and there were um, th- there were 15 of us. Um, ten of those people, nine of those people were men. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so, it, yeah... Uh, it's a, That's... it was tough. I mean, uh, you know, if they ever listen to this, they're all lovely people. They're all great people, but it, it, there is something that happens when you have a majority male class. And it, I mean, for the first two years, the, the girls in my class were literally like, we cannot get a word in edgeways. <laughs> and like, it was like being pushed back, which was, which was a very strange experience, not only as someone who's female presenting, but also as a person of color. I was like, I am not being listened to at mm-hmm. any point. But thank God, in my third year, we had Adjua Ando, who um, is in Bridgerton. Um, she directed our third year show um, for Tennessee Williams, and it was, like, the most amazing... I was like, I needed this. I deserve this in my life. But, yeah, so yeah, drama school is a lot of old white men teaching you things. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's changing, and it's going to change, and, like... I hope that my generation of people kind of coming out on the cusp of like a pandemic of you know George Floyd Black Lives Matter is is I, I feel quite hopeful that we can kind of follow in your and like working with these two has been insane for learning things that I didn't even know were a thing like learning etiquette learning you know just generally about the industry has been Lee, how did you become a producer? Um, so I had a bit of an unconventional route into theatre as well, because I went to uni uh, to St Andrews, but I studied marine biology. Oh, wow. <laughs> so really random. But like theatre's always been like a really big part of my life, particularly like musical theatre, because my dad's like a big musical theatre fan. But I just I didn't see a route for myself into it because I just I suppose it's like I didn't know what opportunities existed outside of being a performer yeah. mm-hmm. and I knew that being a performer wasn't what I wanted to do but I just didn't see how else I could fit in mm-hmm. um, and then just by going to St Andrews there's like a really big sort of theatre community there yeah. with like mermaids and just so and which is like the musical theatre society and I got really really um invested in just so and was like doing like performing and like doing like shows and things but um I got onto the committee and then I was like sort of tra- like trying a couple of different like positions like like secretary and treasurer and then in my final year I was president and that's the role that acts as producer so then I actually got to I was like producing work and then being like oh that this is actually that this is what works this is what fits for me um and sort of I could see how how like I could like what how I could see the like how I could carve out a role for myself I suppose in theatre, um, so yes yeah, so that sort of what opened my eyes to it and then um I left St Andrews moved to Edinburgh, I I went to QM for a year and did their um, masters in arts management, um and I got to do um I got to do like some different internships um there more in marketing actually, um but that really opened the doors for me in terms of meeting people yeah. uh, around mm-hmm. the city and like different people in the theatre community here um, and so my, my first job was at the Lyceum 
Um, and I just absolutely like adore, I completely adore that company. Um, and so I was in marketing for a couple of years, and then um, a position came up as administrator. Um, and at that point, they didn't have a <clears throat> the, the produ- they didn't have a specific producer role. The producer role was sort of split between numerous mm. people, including the administrator. Um, so I got to like try more of the like admin based things around producing, like booking travel and accommodation, and doing contracts and putting offers out and all that sort of stuff. It was all like learning on the, like learning on the job. Um, mm. Like Pip was saying before, it's like in cash. It's like you're just doing, you're doing yeah, the work. Yeah. Do yeah, and sort of <laughs> learning what works, what doesn't. Um, and I've been very lucky <clears throat> in that other producers in the city, in like Glasgow, just like Scottish producers, have been really, really generous with me in terms of like, um, let me like have a coffee and like ask questions and things. And so that's been amazing. It's like having having that community of people to be able to ask questions so from. important it is it's yeah. so so important yeah yeah great so, yeah. unconventional route but okay. very glad to be here <laughs> i mean yeah time. time yeah exactly uh so we i mean i really wanted to guys to sing but i don't know if i'm not gonna <clears throat> can i do a little bit of yeah. one of yeah, the songs yeah i mean i don't care whatever the three <laughs> you can sing whatever <laughs> you want it's like yeah like probably yeah We'll do this and then we have a quick question just to ask all of you, which is what um, persistent and nasty means to you. Um, mm. (laughs) And then then we will be done. And then we're done, promise. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so, so much. Um, yes, so our final question. What does persistent and nasty mean to you? Nasty, I think we say nasty in a good way now. Like yeah. We say yeah, yeah, in yeah. A good way. Persistent and nasty is the exact feeling that Pip and I were talking about. This is how we're going to run the world. Yay! Yes! <laughs> By being persistent and nasty in a positive way. Yes! yes. Oh, okay, thank you. I can better answer that question than what you just said. It's fine, fight, and keeping going, and killing people with kindness, but having a fierce undertone. Yeah. 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 Ye
tenacious in taking up the space that's rightfully ours. Yes. Everything that I said, um, being a bad bitch. Yes. <laughs> being a bad bitch and like not being afraid to be like gross and like yeah. emulating masculine and feminine energy, like all together, just being like an amazing person. And yeah. I love it. I love it. I mean, thank you so much for spending time with us, especially when you're in the middle of the festival. We are so grateful for it. Thank you. Um, And until next time, lovely listeners, if you all want to join in with me, you can say, stay nasty. After three. One, two, three. Stay Stay nasty! nasty.